Hello, hello, and welcome back to Trying to Figure It Out. I'm Ali Petiti, and I am so excited to welcome you guys back to another exciting episode. Here on Trying to Figure It Out, we talk about things like friendship, mental health, dating, and pretty much everything about life, and we learn a lot about life along the way. This week on Trying to Figure It Out, we're going to be talking about climate change and sustainability. Welcome to Trying to Figure It Out, Max. Hi, thanks for having me. Max is a co-founder of Future Earth, a nonprofit focused on climate change education. She has her master's in urban planning from MIT. She hosts a podcast called Better World, and she leads energy efficiency at a real estate company. Truly, what don't you do? You have a lot of things going on, and I'm very excited to hear about everything. Thank you for that. Um, I don't sleep. <laughs> no, I do. So you're visiting LA from New York City. How are you liking it so far? I love it here. How often do you come out here? Like every few months. I I made a commitment to cut short trips out of my life a few years ago, which I could pretend is just for the climate, but it's also because like I was so sick of everybody's come here for two days type nonsense. And it's actually been really rewarding to just feel settled in a place Mm -hmm. and not like you're in a rush to do everything and see everything and, you know a trip that's supposed to maybe be like relaxing becomes exhausting. Yeah. I'm excited for this episode because it's our first episode on sustainability, on climate change. And I'm really excited to learn from you. You do so much work in the climate advocacy space. At what point growing up, did you realize that's what you wanted to do? Really late relative. This is an important point because I was not some kid that was like hugging trees out in nature. I grew up in Manhattan. That's not, you know, And um, I love nature, I love animals, but that's not what like lit the fire under my ass at all. I was always like mindful with plastic bottles and turning off the lights and I kind of felt like, oh, there's some experts out there. This is scary and I don't really know what I don't know. Mm -hmm. And there are experts out there that are handling it and like if I open up my mind, you know, everyone has a finite pool of worry. And if I give space to something that I can't do anything about, what good is that gonna do me and the world? Mm -hmm. So I didn't do it. And then in grad school, everything that we were doing was focused on climate in a sort of peripheral way. Mm -hmm. And it made me realize that I don't actually understand this issue. And I have the privilege right now of reading books and studying, which when am I ever going to get to do this again? I'm like 26 at this point. Right. So for my thesis, I just started reading Climate 101. And I was just like, oh, I'm never going back. And that, that inflection point for me was seeing climate is not a an issue of our capacity to fix it. It's totally our willingness to do so. Right. And this is really like a story with heroes and villains. And there are actually bad people out there getting in the way of us making progress. It's not just that everyone's lazy and nobody gives a shit. Right. They're actively trying to confuse the public so that we sit here and don't do anything so they can keep making money. Right. And when I saw that and paired that with this extractive culture we have, like we our economy runs on fossil fuels, oil and gas. I was just like, no, you know, we're sacrificing people yeah. and places on a daily basis when there are solutions that we have. A big thing for me that, you know, I think I can use glass instead of a plastic water bottle. And there's a lot of things that people know as like simple steps that they can take. And I think that sometimes what holds us back is feeling like the immensity of it all and not knowing how we can make a bigger impact than just like the standard tips that we're given and the Mm -hmm. obvious ones. For me, like 
I'm not a vegetarian. Sometimes I get in my head thinking like I'm one person. How am I going to make a change? I'm not going to speak for everyone, but I think that can also hold people back from feeling like they can make a difference. Are you ready for this plot twist? Yes. I'm not a vegetarian either. Really? I'm I'm, I'm a 90% vegetarian. I'm a vegetarian and I eat a burger when I feel like it. I support that. Yeah. (laughs) And I actually think that makes a difference because I've narrowed my meat consumption down to like one meal a week. I was just like, let me try this. And then I was like, okay, I can do this and it's fine. But, oh, wait, I'm anemic. And that's not good. Right. So let me try to find a balance. Totally. So Future Earth has an Instagram account with over 400,000 followers. What exactly is Future Earth's mission and how does it differ from other forms of environmental education? I would say our mission is to... And we have like the line that we say, which Future Earth is an online platform to inspire meaningful engagement with the climate crisis on social media. I am a very visual person and I have learning disabilities. And so our mission for me is to take really complex information and narrow it down to what people need to know and make it really well designed and really clear and I understood very well that not only are a lot of people visual learners, but also that's just a better way of getting information across and that design is really important. A lot of people might end up on our page because they saw a meme that was funny or because they saw a cool graphic and they're like, what's this? And I love that idea of sort of stumbling upon something and then peeling the layers back and seeing like, oh, wait. Right. You know, design, as you can tell, is very important to me. Totally. And just changing the tone around environmental messaging and focusing on storytelling. Yeah. And staying away from this like doomsday sort of narrative or the it thing. It definitely has like such a specific look. Like, you know, when you're looking at future earth, what kind of information do you share on the account? There's so much to cover and it can be really overwhelming. Yeah. And, what drives our content right now besides like the weekly things like Good News Tuesday and Follow Friday is a combination of timely news that you got to know right? and deeper dives into climate topics, which is pretty much guided by what I'm reading at the time and sprinkling in a good balance of everyday tricks and tips for your life because that is important you know it is lifestyle habits are important like you brought up eating meat and memes because laughing is also important couldn't agree more yeah i feel like in the last few years social media and you know things that future earth specifically does have become super performative how do you balance people reposting your content as like a stamp of or checking a box saying oh I reposted it so I care or making a difference how do you try to engage people and also make sure that your content can be taken a step further than just something someone's reading about but also something that people actually make active changes about yeah it's a good question I don't think about that too much because I think even passive activism is something yeah and I'm not discouraged by it, but I am encouraged by like every time we share resources that actually you can go get involved in the real world, the conversion rate is very high. That's amazing. We did one the other week that was for a jobs fair for climate jobs. And I thought that organization was awesome. So we yeah. did 
uh, we did the RSVP link for their webinar and the click-through rate was insane. If we get a few hundred people every time we do something like that, that's making a real a action, that's that's cool to me. 100%. The performative thing, I'm just like, I can't change this. This is clearly where the world's going. Right. And it's still valuable totally. to some degree. I'm just not really paying it much attention. I think that's a good strategy considering there's so much more benefit and positive clearly coming out of it than any sort of negativity. Where did the idea for Future Earth come from? It was New York Magazine in 2017 or 18 when I was doing my thesis. And it was called the Doomed Earth Catalog. It was David Wallace Wells. He did an article that he then turned into a book called The Uninhabitable Earth. I'm not saying this. Don't put in the show notes. Do not recommend this book to anybody. <laughs> okay. The Doomed Earth Catalog was this play on um, this thing called the Whole Earth Catalog, which was this counterculture hippie manual. And it was this whole like take power over your life and technology and be like a change maker in the world. It was a very optimistic thing. And then David Wallace Wells made a doomed earth catalog. Need I say more? I mean, it was all very scientifically backed and it was very accurate and he's alarmed the way he should be. But it was the type of narrative that does nothing for nobody. Nobody's going to get moved into action by fear and alarmism. And so... I had this Doomed Earth catalog, New York Magazine, on my coffee table, and my friend Haley Albert stayed with me, and when she left, she left me a book, and it was the Whole Earth catalog, which I had never heard of before. Right. And I was looking through this thing, and it was amazing. Even though it was so old, it was amazing. And I thought, this is perfect. I'm going to make the future Earth catalog And it's going to operate like the Whole Earth Catalog did, which is just going to be resources for how you can get involved and little bits of inspiration to help everyone see themselves in this movement. So that's how it started. So Future Earth Catalog became my grad school thesis. And when I graduated, I just promised myself I wouldn't let this thing sit on a server. Right. So I sent it to a few friends and they were like, you need to talk to Steph because you and Steph are both like these climate change crazy people. (laughs) And we clicked like instantly. And I was skeptical about social media and celebrity. And she said, if you package this stuff in the right way, celebrities will engage with it. So you worry about the content and I'll worry about getting it out there. And let's just try it. You mentioned that when you sat down with Steph, you didn't really have any idea where you were going to take it or what you were going to do with it. How can you walk me through how it got to where it is today and what it was when you met her? Well, in that initial conversation, we clicked and we were very aligned on a lot of things. Like she knew her shit. So did I. And we both understood very well the power of celebrity. I was just really skeptical that celebrities would engage with climate stuff because at the time, three years ago, it's like we had Leo and... We had Leo, you know, literally. (laughs) And she saw my thesis and she just said, if you repurpose this for Instagram, people will engage. And so then I just started making content to fill up the Instagram. One morning I woke, I, I got out of bed early. I couldn't sleep. The fires in Brazil were like really tormenting me and it was really bad. And I made this post before I went to the office that said our lungs are burning. And there's a few stats on what was going on in Brazil. And I went to the office 
and I was sitting in a meeting and I'm like at the board t- table at my dad's company and some <laughs> like dad, like some, some like middle-aged white dude in the office was like, Hey Max, Kendall Jenner just reposted your future earth. And I was like, what? <laughs> and then it went viral. People did want to engage with environmental stuff. Just like for you and me, it's such a scary thing to talk about. It's the, it's the lunch table that you really don't feel welcome sitting at. Totally. Um, and you think you just don't know enough to ask questions and and you shy away from it. I did too. That's what that's what happens for celebrities too. They want to talk about these things, but they don't know how. Totally. So we realized that this was a very mutually beneficial s- situation for people. I think that's really interesting because even what you just said, like for me, this is all like information that I care about, but I, you know, I get nervous on how to say the right thing or ask the right questions Mm or, you know, feel like I don't know enough. And that can be a scary conversation to have because I do care, but I don't have the knowledge that you have. So even in this conversation, it can feel like nerve wracking to ask the wrong question or to not know the answer already. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what the platform has been so beneficial for me for and why it's been so successful because it's just so accessible to so many people. Thank you. It's really nice to hear. You said you were around 26 when you started getting more passionate about this field and really diving into it. How did you navigate your new beliefs and what you wanted to do with your friends and how have you maintained relationships with your friends and educated them on the things that you're passionate about? While I was at MIT, I was exposed to people who had fewer resources and were giving it their all with what they had. And it was very inspiring to me to see people hustle and have that much integrity and passion and drive for what they were doing. And when I got out of that world, which is so specific and back to like my regular life in New York, I struggled a lot because it was back to, you know, the people you grew up with and you're the people you feel the most comfortable with, but then you've changed. Right. And I don't want to be this like dogmatic sort of like plastic Nazi person with my family and with my friends. And that was really hard. And I just tried to find a vehicle to which I can like communicate without speaking down to people or being scary. And I knew that wasn't going to work anyway. Right. The only way to really get people on your team is to you know smile and make the other side of the fence look fun so future earth was a really great vehicle for me to be able to communicate all that stuff that i felt like was screaming inside right not at the dinner table actually literally screaming at the people next to me Mm -hmm. but like to an audience in a friendly but serious tone where it was being received well how has it been navigating with your family in the real estate space where a lot of people don't focus on climate change and sustainability. How has it been for you like bringing that into your family's work and the work that you're doing there? Actually, there is a lot of movement in the real estate industry and why that happened is 100% because of good policy. It took like cities and states saying during Trump, hey, this guy's fucking us on a federal level. But as a city, as a state, what can we do to make up for it? So there are all these like city and state incentives for landlords to be retrofitting their mechanical equipments and solar panels and insulating their homes and and insulating buildings and all that stuff that actually make it not only affordable, but um, profitable as a landlord. So I came into after grad school, I came into the family business like 
kicking and screaming saying, hey, you know, my dad was like, it's not like I operate coal power plants. I was like, you kind of do because running buildings in New York is two thirds of the emissions from the city. Right. And there's a lot we can actually, it's a big opportunity. So I came in kicking and screaming saying we need to make changes and I wasn't getting the support. And at the same time that I was doing that, policies passed in New York that um, paid up to 50% of the cost of what I wanted to do. And then all these companies came around that were like, we're going to guarantee savings for you. We're going to guarantee that you're make, saving money. And if we're wrong, we're going to write you a check. Right. And so it was just a win-win. That's amazing. So it's like good policy, the market are on your side. And, and then it feels like you can do anything. Yeah. Well, good for you. That's obviously amazing. When you got here today, we touched on, you know, how my podcast is a little different than what we're talking about today. And the area of focus is a little different. And you mentioned to me that there's actually so much correlation with mental health and climate. And I was immediately like my ears perked up. I'm like very interested in just learning what that means, what that looks like, and if you're affected by it and how others are affected by it. I'm like, I don't want to flip this on you, but since you have a podcast where you're very open about mental health, I mean, (laughs) is this something that you feel is like eco anxiety or eco grief? Do those, do those terms resonate for you? I would say that like, there's times where I could go into like a dark black hole of thinking of like, maybe if I do this and then do that, it could make enough of a difference. Or, you know, I have anxieties of like the world ending because of climate change or like, all different things like those things stress me out has any change you've made made you feel any better i'm a very like superstitious person so if i do something that could put a band-aid on an emotion it usually works so if i say to myself like if i limit my plastic use or if i do the laundry less for me in that moment it will make me feel better it will make me feel like i'm making a difference and easing my own anxiety so i would say absolutely yes okay i'm gonna say something you're probably not expecting me to say at all i don't mind <laughs> i don't give a shit if you recycle i would much rather that anxiety you feel be pacified by and this is also going to sound weird <laughs> not pacifying it moving it to anger yeah because anger is a really really powerful emotion in all of this and it's not something you want to stay in and that's why it's bad we think anger is bad you know i'm angry but as long as you don't hold it for too long it's actually really good because it moves you to action that actually really matters and then feels good and then gets you like going Mm -hmm. in a better way so what did that look like for me i was really anxious about having children it kept me up at night i thought there's no way i could bring a kid into this world and i realized how personal everything i was doing in school was because all of these authors on climate books i would go wikipedia them after and i wanted to know if they had kids i wanted to know if all these people who knew so much more than me still had hope did they yeah a lot of them do Most of them do. And then I got really angry at all of these people that are fucking the planet and not doing anything to help save it. And I just thought, you know what? I'm not going to not do the things that I want to do with my life. It's literally like biological, like as a 26 year old woman at the time, like you're, you're hardwired to want to make babies. (laughs) Right. Right. So I was just like, I'm not going to let this stop my life. 
and I'm just going to do whatever I possibly can mm-hmm. to create a better world for the family that I want to have. Yeah. And and I moved that anger into doing something about it. And for me, what did that look like? I mean, it didn't look like I'm not saving the planet with my Instagram platform. Like it looked like me taking the skills that I had and repurposing them for climate stuff. So like graphic design, my learning disabilities, communicating right complex information that's the resources i had at the time right and it worked i made something successful but it also worked because frankly like i've never been more depressed than i was when i read all those books and i wasn't doing anything about it it was really bad and i've never been back in that place even since then i've made climate a part of my everyday life i have never dipped that low since then and like I prioritize my mental health and I have a therapist that I see twice a week. Wendy, I love you. But like <laughs> it's work. But I think it's so much more rewarding not to suppress those emotions mm-hmm. and to really feel them and guide guide anxiety and anger into action. Totally. Thank you for sharing that. I really appreciate sure. it. What four things do you do in a day that makes you feel at peace and like you can, you know, sleep at night and not feel as low as you expressed feeling before? I mean, I don't think any of the lifestyle changes I've made really do that for me. I think it's the work. Yeah. But obviously I do all these things. Like I have an electric vehicle. I shut the lights off when I walk out of the room. I carry around, but these are also the things that I've committed to are things that don't burn me out on a daily right. basis that actually feel like they're upgrading my life. Right. The other day I had my my thermos with me and I went to get coffee with some friends. I'm like, oh, you're so good. I forgot my, th- I always forget it or I leave it somewhere. Like, you know, I, I don't want to wash it out. Like, it's so good of you that you do that. Yeah. And I was like, what do you mean? Like, it's my cup's natural. not going to spill. <laughs> and like... This is a lifestyle up. I'm not drinking out of plastic. This is a lifestyle upgrade. Right. And like three hours later, we were joking that my friend went to go drink his like stale, watered down iced coffee. <laughs> and I just shook my mug. And it was and full like of ice. it was full of ice. And I was just like, this is a lifestyle <laughs> upgrade. So I would only Truly. encourage people to do the things that make you feel good and don't burn you out because I would much rather your energy be put towards things that really are making a difference. Like go to a meeting for your local sunrise movement or 350 or like any of, or extinction rebellion or any of these organizations and see what that feels like. See what those people are like. Just be curious Yeah. and stop obsessing over your plastic. Yeah. Plastic is bad. The last thing I'll say there is lifestyle things that I really, really do want people to do is things that are good for your health immediately. Like it's not good to drink out of plastic. It's not good to use a gas stove and not turn the hood on and ventilate the space. It's not good to use all of these like household cleaning products and hair relaxers and gel manicures and things that are exposing us to toxic chemicals on a daily basis. You should stop doing that. Yeah. So where do you like tell me like where do you get your nails done? Where do you get your hair done? Okay, so you? I use Jinsoon nail polish, which is okay. regular nail polish and it's seven free, which means it's free of the seven worst chemicals. Hmm. And um I go to a Jinsoon salon where Do they have them here? 
No, but I bring it with me when I'm here to the nail salon. Okay. And I wear a mask. Where do you get your hair done? And what is your stance on Brazilian hair treatments or keratin treatments? Keratin is like, it perplexes my mind because there are versions of Brazilian blowout that do not have formaldehyde in them. Mm -hmm. And people just don't use them. And I don't get why. And, you know, you can't really trust anything. So I'm not saying that the, the names that I'll give, like Cezanne, Purilux, are 100% clean. Mm-hmm. But I've, I've sat there and my eyes aren't itching and my throat isn't closing up and it doesn't smell crazy. I've never gotten one and not cried. Okay. Ever. And, okay, <laughs> those two that I mentioned, Cezanne and Purilux, they work. And they didn't do those crazy things because... Right. I think they don't have formaldehyde, which is a known carcinogen. It causes cancer. That shit works. Like when there are solutions, replacements that work. Do it. Yeah. Okay. So obviously a lot of people like thrifting and that's like a known sustainable way to shop. But for someone who wants to treat themselves a little bit more than thrifting or that's not their ideal shopping day, what are your top recommendations for people who want to shop and be sustainable but not necessarily go thrifting or go somewhere with vintage clothing well that's tough because like i'm wearing half vintage right now yeah and i love vintage (laughs) okay i love to shop and i was just like that's not something i want to give up so i got really into vintage and then i really enjoyed the hunt and i really enjoyed going somewhere knowing nobody else is going to wear what i'm wearing and Mm -hmm. that if someone said oh my god where'd you get that i'd be like it's vintage you you can't have it (laughs) But there are a lot of brands that are doing things a lot better Mm -hmm. and really care. And I think that they're slowly starting to become like comparable in style and quality to everything else. And that's cool. I will still buy other stuff. To me, it's about like buying quality things that last a really long time more than anything. I don't give a shit if your shirt is made out of recycled cotton and you're planting a tree. If I buy it, like to me, the best the best garment is something you already own, mm-hmm. something that already exists, or something that will last a long time. Yeah. And um, and that's kind of how I operate. Yeah. Okay. So similar to clothing, what beauty products do you use when it comes to doing your makeup or your skincare routine? What are your tips for someone who wants to be a part of like the classic makeup trends, but also wants to be sustainable? Yeah. I also think all there's so many brands that are getting way better now. And it's like, it's really unfair that you have to walk down the aisle of a store and be like, is this going to kill me? Is this toxic? Is this bad? We shouldn't have to do that. Totally. So I love Detox Market or Credo Beauty or any of these stores where they have really rigorous standards for the products that they're selling. Right. And so you could just shop there and not have to worry. Totally. Like Detox Market. I remember I brought in my concealer. It was like Kevin Aquan. I was like, how do I replace this? And she gave me something to replace that specific product, which was cool. That's amazing. Yeah. Do you like Kosas? I love Kosas. I love Ilya and I love Osea. Their stuff is so good. The products are better. I actually prefer them to like a NARS concealer or like my makeup routine has like naturally turned more clean. Not as as intentionally. I have two more questions for you and then we're going to get into something I do every episode. It's called Alpes 3. So before we get there, what are some recent wins in the fight against climate change? Great question. Well, today is Tuesday. And so from Good News Tuesday today, I can tell you that David Malpass, who is the head of the World Bank appointed under Trump, who is a climate denier, is stepping down. Wow. And that's huge. That's amazing. Um, Because no one pays attention to him, but he has a lot of power. The World Bank controls 
billions and billions of dollars yeah. that go to developing countries. And that money can go to climate projects. So that's cool. That's amazing. That's one. A second one, there have been a lot of reports from a lot of different groups lately showing how like cleaning up your investment portfolio, not only are you not going to lose money, but you're going to make money. Hmm. So that I think is really, really cool. Yeah. So cleaning up your investment portfolio, meaning like not no longer investing in Chevron, Exxon, Shell, or any of the companies that right. like promote climate disasters. So that's really cool. There are so many great places to invest your money that actually will help create the planet that we all want to live on. Yeah. And then you can also make money. So I think that's amazing. Win-win. <laughs> win-win. I'm all here. I'm here for the win-wins. And a third... So there was a plan to fix the sidewalks in LA um, because they're uneven and people trip and fall, but this plan was going to cut down 30,000 trees in LA County. So a judge was like, this is obviously something we should do. We don't want people tripping on the sidewalk, but this is a dumb plan. So he halted the plan and they're no longer going to cut down all those trees. That's amazing. Yeah. And that's really local. Yeah. I love that. Well, thank you for sharing. And lastly, before we wrap up, what is the main message you'd want to share with a young 20-year-old listening to this podcast? I saw this posted on my mom's computer once that I think about all the time. And it said, you don't know enough to be pessimistic. And I think that's everything because it can seem so daunting and overwhelming and like you have no place in it. But I think if you just start taking steps and scratching itches as you feel them mm -hmm. in the right direction and you have hope that everyone has something they can do in this fight. You don't have to know everything and you can be thoughtful while you're active mm -hmm. um, and still learning in the process of things. There's something for everyone to do um, and doing things makes you feel better. Yeah, well, thank you so much. Okay, before we completely finish, I do this thing in every episode. It's called Alpies 3, where I just have my guest or myself kind of pick three songs that go along with the vibe of what, whatever the subject matter that we talked about was. So if there could be three songs that defined the future Earth Instagram, what would they be? I love this question, but I'm laughing because like nobody's making good music. It's <laughs> no, right Yeah, that's now. so true. <laughs> In our last team meeting, we were comparing what we're listening to. Mm -hmm. And there was Smithereens, the Joji album. We so all good. love so good. We're all still bumping SZA, but like finding different corners of it that we're yeah. enjoying. Snooze has been getting me for like the past week. And Omar Apollo, which is fun because they are going to have a concert together. Oh, cool. Yeah. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for coming here. I really appreciate you being so open with me for teaching me, teaching my listeners. I have like so much respect for what you've been doing, what you have accomplished. And there's so many people that I know that use your account as their form of information. And I personally do as well. And so thank you for the amazing work you're doing. And where can people follow you, find you, and what should they look out for in the coming weeks? That's so nice to hear. <laughs> Feel warm inside. It's all Thanks true. For sharing it. You can follow us, Future Earth, on Instagram. We have a TikTok. It's like slightly getting more active. Who knows where it'll go. I also co-host a podcast called Better World where we 
interview founders of companies trying to do good things. I need that dose of hope in my my life too. Thank you so much. You're amazing. Thank Thank you everyone for listening and we'll be back next week with another episode.